You're listening to the Crosscheck NHL Show, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Andrew Berkshire and Mary Clark. Hello and welcome to the Crosscheck NHL Show. This episode is brought to you by Locked On NHL. You need more hockey news and Locked On NHL is here to fill the gap. It's your daily podcast on everything happening in the league. Subscribe and listen each day for a quick look at the biggest stories and game recaps each day. Subscribe to Locked On NHL today, wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Mary Clark, staff writer for The Win, and you can follow me on Twitter at Mary Z. Clark. I'm here with Andrew Berkshire, NHL analyst for the Montreal Gazette. You can follow on Twitter at Andrew Berkshire. On this Tuesday edition of the Crosscheck, Montreal Canadiens once again made news of the disappointing variety, as the team drafted Logan Mayu in the first round of the draft. We'll also break down the wild weekend filled with trades galore, and the rest of the NHL draft, and of course the upcoming free agency period. So Andrew, before we start off today's show, how you doing? I'm doing all right. Uh, you know, I hosted the Locked On Live Draft show on Friday, which was, I think it was almost four hours in the end. Or no, it was more than four hours. Uh, it was almost getting close to five, because we started at 7.45, and I think we finally logged out to like 20 after midnight. Uh, it was pretty intense and lots of work, but it was fun and until the end. <laughs> the end kind of ruined it all. Everyone was in a really somber mood. We tried to like rally a little bit and recap the draft a little bit, but uh, it was not a great scene at the end there uh, between the Montreal Canadiens and the Chicago Blackhawks. Yeah, uh, that really brought it down. Uh, we'll get to it in a second, but um, yeah, I'm sad I had to miss that uh you know draft party thing um i'm glad you guys you know knocked it out of the park from everything i heard uh, i was working on my end so i was uh you know couldn't you know tune in because i was trying to pay attention to the draft and of course the opening ceremony of the olympics was on that night too so it was just a it's been a crazy week i mean i think we've talked a lot about how wild um and compressed the schedule is and you know add on to the olympics with my other job so i'm just you know all over the place right now but that is really the biggest thing is um the canadians drafting logan mayu um and they drafted him with the 31st overall pick on friday and um he renounced himself from the draft a couple days before it's not official you can't actually like um you know, remove yourself from the draft, but he, you know, said not to pick him. Uh, but the basics, uh, if you don't know who he is, um, I pulled up an ESPN article and this is from Greg Wyshynski. So I'm going to read this uh, verbatim. Uh, so Mayu, 18, was fined by Swedish police for showing a photo to his teammates via Snapchat that depicted him and a woman engaged in a, consen- a consensual sexual act. The photo was taken without consent of the woman who went to local police. Mayu was not arrested, but was fined for invasion of privacy and defamation. Um, so it had been, I don't remember when this story had come out um, about him, but we had known for a little bit that um, this had, he had done this. Um, and then it came out a couple days before the draft that he had renounced himself from it. Um, and according to the ESPN article, it seemed that multiple teams had still intended to draft Mayu. Um in the second round, but the Canadians got the jump on everyone and drafted him in the first round to, at the th- at the thirty first pick. Um, and they had said uh, in their statement, um, also from ESPN, uh, by drafting prospect Logan Mayu with the thirty first overall pick, the Montreal Canadiens organization not only selected a promising hockey player but also a young man who recently admitted to making a serious mistake. 
Canadians are aware of the situation and by no means minimize the severity of Logan's actions. Logan understands and the impact of his actions. Um, there's obviously more to it, but um, I think that that first bit of the statement is missing the point, Andrew. Yeah. I, th- I think a little, uh, maybe just a little bit missing the point here. Yeah, I would say more than a little bit. Um, so in, as far as timelines for this story, it occurred in November. Mm-hmm. It uh, was first reported on in North America, at least, by uh, Frank Saravalli on Daily Faceoff, July 16th. So not too far from the draft. and then Yeah, less than 10 days. After that, uh, he renounced himself from the draft, even though it was not official. Um, I have a very skeptical view of this whole saga. Uh, I look at the way that the victim described Mayu uh, acting towards her when she asked for just an apology, uh, sincere and heartfelt, and he couldn't accommodate that, and uh, reports of him not understanding the significance of what he'd done. And by the way, it wasn't just a picture of uh, her performing a, a sexual act on him. It w- he also included a link to or a screenshot of her online profile uh, mm. from whatever site that they had met through so to actually identify her to his teammates which like goes a step further than just a picture and the fact that they like renounced themselves before the draft knowing that that's not an official action and right after the draft said that you know, he put out a statement saying like, oh, I know I said I didn't want to be drafted, but, you know, I think I can grow better as a person with the support of the Montreal Canadiens. This was a gambit by mm-hmm. his agent, and he played a lot of people like a fiddle. I don't think for a second that that uh, statement that he didn't want to be drafted was sincere. I think he wanted to appear that he was sincere so that a team would draft him. I Maybe this kid will grow up and apologize and grow into a better person. But the fact is, if you can't even hold off for one year or let another team make a mistake, even like people, I, I saw some criticism of some some people saying that, uh, well, you know, just don't draft him in the first round. Well, and they're saying, like, well, you're still drafting him. You are, but drafting him outside the first round at the very least sends a message to him that he's moved down in position. He's not going to get as much money. First-round picks have much better negotiating uh, ability for their first uh, contract. And also, first-round picks get incredible benefit of the doubt for the entirety of their NHL career. If you're a first-round pick, you are always a first-round pick. So when you stumble and you struggle to make the league you will find other places that will take you on the promise of the fact that you were a first round pick. So giving him that privilege along, like alongside the idea of him even becoming a possible NHL or this year, it is just unfathomable. And the fact that when the Canadians were questioned on it, when Trevor Timmons, the Canadians uh, assistant general manager, and I think he's still the director of scouting, uh, amateur scouting and professional scouting, uh, they were asked directly by, by Marc-Antoine Godin of The Athletic why, after Logan Mayu said that he wasn't mature enough to be drafted this year, did the Canadians feel the opposite? And it was a good 45-second silence. Like, it was a long time that he sat there and he did the, like, like, he couldn't come up with an answer. And then he asked Marc-Antoine Godin to clarify or, like, rephrase what he meant. 
and then completely avoided the question entirely because, or they said like, why do you think that we think that? Like saying that you don't minimize what he was doing and then drafting him in the first round, like those statements can't go together. It doesn't work that way. You can't say this is unacceptable and then completely accept it without reservation. Yeah. Um, we've talked about stuff like this before on this podcast. Um, obviously, I mean, it is too late to do a trigger warning and stuff like that, but still, I mean, it, we've, we talked about this stuff before on the podcast and Mayu has to put in the work to be a better person. Um, and not just with words, he has to follow it up with actions too. I mean, it would have been great if he had apologized. That would have been a fantastic start. I mean, like I said, that's words, but even just not, you know, publicly apologizing at least earlier i thought i heard something that he did it after he was drafted but that was after the fact and not before uh so that changes things um but we've talked about this with other things you have to put in the work to be a better person um and i i want him to become a better person you know for everybody involved here but it is um it is a privilege to be drafted um in the nhl draft especially in the first round um, yeah, and, and he I, didn't deserve that privilege. No, he didn't. He absolutely didn't. And the fact is, like, for the people who are going around saying, like, oh, well, doesn't he deserve second chances? Do you want to ruin his life? Second chances are earned. They're mm-hmm. earned. You have to do the work first. You don't just get a second chance because. That's not the way it works. He's not a toddler that uh, broke a glass. He's someone who took advantage of a woman and exploited her sexually. Mm-hmm. like yeah the people trying to minimize this i i will say that i am pretty pleased with the ma- the vast majority of media coverage i've never seen uh so much coverage be united in its thrust in terms of like this is just not acceptable it seems like we're getting to a place now where there is more awareness of this but there's a lot of people who are fans or a few in media who are showing their asses here mm-hmm. and uh, for me i know i'm not gonna forget like yeah. I've, I've got names that uh people who follow me that i'm like i'm not giving you the time of day ever again yeah and the and the people not just women but the people that have experienced um you know sexual assault in their lifetimes they they will know too and they will oh absolutely either um and i guess we should continue on with this thread because immediately after the canadians picked Chicago picked it 32nd <laughs> with their shield of women employees yeah, right it was a back to back it was a back to back combination of absolute nonsense um because yeah. Chicago with um with everything that has been happening in their organization they haven't really spoken much publicly about it um and Stan Bowman has to my knowledge uh has not you know come forward and you know made any sort of major statement uh but um, at the at the draft, they had like a shield of eight women uh, alongside them as they were making their pick, um, and that was a terrible look too. So it really, just uh, those two things combined in and of itself just turned what was supposed to be a night of celebration, you know, for future hockey players and hope, yeah. uh, because that's kind of what the draft is about is you know the hope of these young players to make it to the NHL now that they've been drafted. It, it ruined it. It completely ruined it. And it really sucked because I thought the everything else up until that point went really well. I thought yeah, it was they had just... like the Luke Hughes with his brothers. Yeah. Moment, which was great. 
But I, we should also mention that Mark Bergevin did this while, like, he's currently under the spotlight for the same thing that's going on in Chicago. He was with the Blackhawks at that time. He was the director of player personnel. So, like, then there's I don't know how uh, much of a I don't know how how um like much of a rumor this is, but then there's talk of them the Canadians going after Tony D'Angelo in free agency. Yeah, it's it's not even really a rumor because they tried to trade for yeah. him during the season, right? And yeah, so, I mean, it speaks volumes as to what type of person Mark Bergevin is. I mean, and you can even go all the way back to, um, you know, the stuff that happens with PK Subban way yes. back in the day. A lot of people have been talking about that, uh, pretty much since that pick was made. The because Mark Bergevin throughout his tenure has been very vocal about the need for like character character is his number one priority more than like skating more than puck skills more than anything more than hockey sense is he wants players to have good character and you can go back through like i've always found that to be bs because the first move that he made essentially as general manager was to hire michel Terrien, who has a long track record of abusive behavior with his players uh, from throwing cigarette bus- butts in their face to screaming at them to manipulative behaviors to borderline abuse to inviting people into his cramped office and chain smoking while berating them uh, with no ventilation as a-, a punishment. Like Andrew Shaw was on a podcast not too long ago and would say like he would take you into his office and essentially expose you to secondhand smoke as a punishment. And that's not Michel Therrien the first time. That's Michel Therrien a couple years ago. So like... That's a guy who he called a foxhole guy. Somebody you'd want to be with you in a foxhole. Very attached to Michel Therrien. Took forever to let go of him. Despite mounting evidence from very early on that he was not a very good coach. So there's that. There's uh, signing Nick Cousins as an unrestricted free agent after he'd faced uh, rape allegations. There's Rob Ramage, who is a development coach of some kind, I believe, in the Montreal Canadiens organization who has had a, I, I believe it was drinking and driving, but vehicular manslaughter killing uh, Keith Magnuson. Uh, he had Sean Burke, who is Carey Price's goaltending coach, who has a history of domestic violence. So there's a lot of arrows pointing here that the Montreal Canadiens' definition of character is not what most people would consider good. Maybe they're in love with the redemption story, but I haven't seen much proof of a lot of these people redeeming themselves um, I find it the whole PK Subban situation. I remember when Michel Therrien was hired and they were asked, he, he was asked about PK Subban and it was when PK wasn't signed yet. He was uh, waiting for a new contract as a restricted free agent. And the first thing he said was, we want to make him a better player and a better person. And I'm sorry, but you look at some of the actions that the Montreal Canadians have taken and you compare that to P.K. Subban's actions as a player and a person, you're going to compare yourself to P.K. Subban as a person and say that you're going to make him better? Get out of here. Get out of here. Like, no no matter what you think of P.K. Subban as a player or maybe you think that he's a bad teammate or selfish or whatever, which from what I have been exposed to in limited uh, insider ability is largely bull he is a great person everybody who's worked with him absolutely loves him and the time that he takes out of his day to help other people the not like i don't even want to bring up money because i think pledging to raise 10 million is different than donating it but 
just the care that he has for everything that he does is incredible. He he is a spectacular person, and I don't think you could say the same about anybody in Canadians management right now who are willing to make this pick without any conceivable plan about what they're going to do with Logan Mayu to make him uh, mature. You know, I mean, Trevor Timmons mentioned that he was seeing a lady uh, psychologist or something. It's like, why? Why does? Why is it a lady? Why do you even specify that? Like. There's so many red flags here. It's hard to even count them up. Yeah. I don't really know much else we can. It's it's hard to really expand upon that. I think you hit it, hit the nail on the head here. Um, it's very disappointing. Very frustrating. It sucked all the energy out of the draft. It was a gut punch. It, Yeah, it was, it was a terrible moment for the sport of hockey, for sure. To do it on national TV, too. I mean, I know, like... It was the end of the draft. It was like 1130 or whatever. I I wasn't even watching at the time. I was like, okay, it's the last couple picks. I'll watch them on Twitter and watch the end of the opening ceremony because um, I think it was like Naomi Osaka was, you know, lighting the Olympic flame. And I was like, oh, I want to see this. Ruined it instantly. And yeah, it is, yeah. I, I don't think there's much else we can say on it other than how disappointed we are, how frustrated we are with hockey, how it, it feels like every other week, nearly, or at least once a month we're we're talking about something else in this in this vein and it it is so frustrating to have to continue to go up here and say these things it's exhausting yeah it's exhausting i don't even know like there's only so much we can say about it to express our just incredible disappointment exhaustion frustration and all of that do you have anything else to add andrew on this or was that statement from you uh what you're gonna end with here I think that's what I'm going to end with. I think anytime that you don't center the victim in a situation like this, and it's all about uh, rebuilding the reputation or uh, anything, rebuilding the person who is the perpetrator and you don't even mention the victim, you're just wrong. You're just wrong. Yeah. All right. Um, Coming up next, we're going to have to do the same thing we always do uh, coming off these uh, unfortunate conversations is we're switching back to hockey and we've got, Trades. Lots and lots of trades. Uh, trades. Fun trades. Wild trades. Uh, trades I wasn't very happy with. But that'll be coming up next in our cross check of the Week. Right after this break. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing only the brands their warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Rockauto.com is a family business, serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low, and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend as, why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see the parts, all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on in there, how did you hear about us box? So they know we sent you. Amazing selection. Reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com all right, Andrew, back onto the hockey side of things. We had trades upon trades upon trades over the weekend, and it felt like I couldn't go 
five steps without seeing the Flyers do something this weekend. I mean, you predicted they would be active this offseason. I did. This is pretty active. I did, Andrew, but at what cost? At I what know. cost, Andrew? Okay. Well, I mean, this is the this is the summer of massive overpays for bad defensemen, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. So We'll at least start with the Flyers first, because I think that they made the biggest move since they made two of them um, over the weekend. Um, so in total, the Flyers acquired Rasmus Ristolainen from Buffalo and Cam Atkinson from uh, Columbus for Robert Haig, the 2021 first, their 13th or 14th overall pick, depending on how you count the Arizona forfeit, uh, a 2023 second. And Jake Voracek. So Robert Haig, the 2021 first and 2023 second, went to Buffalo. Jake Voracek was swapped one for one with Cam Atkinson. Um, So the first trade that went down was the Ristolainen trade. I was in the middle of playing video games and somebody tweeted at me to be like, oh, no, Mary. And then I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. What happened? (laughs) And I looked at my phone. Oh, no, indeed. It really felt like Chuck Fletcher threw all of his goodwill right out the window from Flyers fans. Immediately, right? Like pivoting from the Ryan Ellis trade. You could not have had two opposite reactions, I think, if you were a Flyers fan to this. Um, and it was, oh boy. I mean, I get I get wanting to add another defenseman, but Brian Ristolainen, he's not very good, Andrew. No, he doesn't really have a great career to look back on. I think the one thing with Ristolainen that makes me think maybe it's not that horrible is it's hard to stand out in Buffalo. I mean, we saw what Buffalo did to Taylor Hall. Uh it's just not a fun place to play right now and hasn't been for a long time. He was playing at a position far that far exceeded his talent. He was not a number one defenseman. He probably won't have to be one in Philadelphia. So maybe with a reduced role on a team that offers a lot more support, Ristolainen won't be terrible. I like. I think we have to allow for the possibility that he could become like serviceable. I don't want to like completely disregard the idea that that could happen, but I can't see how you would pay this much for Ristolainen based on his career so far. I understand that he was a high draft pick and that he is a giant guy, but so what? Yeah. <laughs> you have I mean, to be good still. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the big thing for the Flyers, or at least Chuck Fletcher is wanting. I mean, he's a right-handed defenseman. He wanted size. He wanted, you know, someone to... Do that thing where you, you know, stand in front of the net and cross-check people. And yeah, I mean, that's it kind of fits the bill as to what, you know, the hockey men TM want yeah. out of a defenseman. But all, all hands point to this trade not being good. To be fair, I want him to succeed in, with the Flyers. I hope for the best for him. I don't want him to fail because if he fails, the team will be bad. Uh, and I don't want that. So I it can only be good... Only good things can happen if he's a good hockey player, and I hope he turns it around. However, he has not shown me anything up until this point. I know it's Buffalo, but even still, the analytics people were saying his numbers, even with a reduced role, not great. But we'll see. But there's also only one more positive I can find for the Flyers, is that if this somehow is a disaster, just, like, completely in this one year, he'll be a free agent in 2022. So there's a possibility that he might not come back. It, it's a high price to pay for a one-year thing, but if it is a complete and abject disaster, there's still time for them to change course. Yeah. So there's there's that too. Um, I am I'm interested to see what will happen with him. 
I, I'm, my excitement has been greatly diminished because it felt, you know, like I was like, they did, they moved all this cap space and they have to make a good move for it to be worth it. And right now it wasn't worth it, but we'll see. Um, I think the addition of Cam Atkinson straight up for Jake Voracek, um, people might see that like as a downgrade. I think of it as more of a side grade in terms of, um, he, he's not, you know, he's not going to bring the points in the way Voracek did. I mean, that kind of went uh, under the radar in terms of, you know, for Flyers fans, because it always felt like Voracek was kind of, you know, not talked down on, but like the Flyers fans weren't always in his corner because it felt like he would do things wrong, even though he was kind of a nice steady point producer for the Flyers. But yeah, Cam Atkinson does add more shooting. He's a more of a shoot first player and a lot of the Flyers are more uh, pass first, have a pass first mentality. So it'll be great to have like a, a shooting forward. Um, he brings a really good penalty kill presence, um, which Jake Voracek did not bring. So at least it, you know, he's really effective on the penalty kills. So that gives them another avenue. And it's a little bit less cap space. So I can see what Fletcher was going for here. It was always going to be difficult, I think, to move Voracek's contract because it's so big. Um, but, and they're both the same age. So I think in terms of a, a return, it is fair, more than fair. Um, and I think he adds a little bit of a different, I mean, the whole thing with Chuck Fletcher this year was adding, trying to add a different mix to this Flyers group because it wasn't working. So they changed up a lot of things. They added more, I don't know. I'd, I hate to use the word character, guys, because we just talked about how that wasn't really a thing. <laughs> but, I mean, people have all talked about how nice of a person, you know, Cam Atkinson is. I mean, he's it's like... good team, guys. Yeah. Yeah, good team guys. So I, I understand, I think, what Chuck Fletcher was going for here with this move. It is not as flashy as the Ryan Ellis. It's not as flashy as trying to, you know, add a Tarasenko uh, or Landis Cog or something but like that. Atkinson's good. He's a good player. Yeah, um, I think that that's a very solid move. Like I said, it's I don't think it's an upgrade or a downgrade. I think it's a side grade, but I think it could be a side grade with very positive, better fit and more positive benefits. I mean... I loved Voracek when he was on the Flyers. Don't get me wrong. Great. What a great dude. I mean, his bouts back and forth with the media were some of the most hilarious things. I don't think I've been blocked by him on Twitter. So I never ran afoul of that because, you know, he would, he always, you know, was blocking Flyers fans or media left and right for one reason or another. And you might not even know the reason. Uh, so I loved his time in Philadelphia, but it, he was definitely one of the players. It seemed to me that was ripe for moving on from. Uh, and I obviously wish him the best. Uh, but it is, this is very intriguing and I don't think the Flyers are done here. I don't know what their plans are for forward, but they definitely have to add, um, a very solid backup goaltender. And then I think we might get a better picture as to what this Flyers team could be. I don't know if they're going to hit the same highs fans thought when, you know, they required Ryan Ellis and, you know, the sky seemed to be the limit for this team in terms of like what their additions could be. But I think that they might, on paper, be a better team just based on the depth that has been provided by hopefully adding, you know, a better a better backup goaltender and maybe adding a little bit more on defense. Because Robert Haig also wasn't very good. Um, he hasn't, you know, had as much time in the spotlight as Ristolainen has. Um, so it is surprising to see him moved because that's kind of the flyer that was the Flyers fans' dream to see Robert Haig moved off the team. Um, but we'll see how it shakes out. I the Ristolainen trade was definitely a big minus for me, but the Cam Atkinson ad is I was more positive on. I think it just is yeah. not a flashy move by any means. 
I think that's fair. I you know I know that a lot of people wanted Robert Hag moved out, but not for a more expensive, bigger Robert Hag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically that's kind of what it boiled down to. Yeah, so I, I feel like the Flyers. I will give them like the benefit of the doubt to a certain point of maybe Rasmus Ristolainen can become something that we maybe haven't expected from him since he was a rookie. But I mean, it, it's just. Not often that a guy at 26 years old will suddenly become a really great player after being pretty bad. As Honestly, I don't even think he needs to be great. Just don't no, be bad. No, he just needs just to be serviceable, Yeah, right? just don't be bad. Just be serviceable. He's only there for one year um, because as far as I know, they have not extended him. Um, so just be serviceable. Don't... It makes don't... the price even crazier when you think about it. Yeah, I... Yeah, I'm not... It The whole... Like, there's been overpayments left and right uh, around here. Uh, so I guess we'll move on from the Flyers, but that was, I think, the yeah, biggest thing because of they made... overpayments. <laughs> yes, but the Flyers made the biggest moves. But uh, then, you know, coming down the chute nearly right after Larissa Linen, or I don't remember which one it was, but nearly right after these, a lot of these deals came within sequence of each other. But the Canucks acquired Oliver Ekman Larson and Connor Garland from the Coyotes and sent in return Louis Erickson, Jay Beagle, and Anthony Roussel and uh, their first overall pick. I don't remember which uh, one that ended up being, like which. Uh, you know where it was in the order but that was who it was ninth okay ninth, ninth yeah yeah okay that's right because they because the coyotes then got a pick in the first round because they forfeited their pick because of um what was it a uh, combine like mis- misuse of the draft combine i don't remember the yeah specific. it was it's not like it was a big price to pay i'm not exactly sure if that was yeah it was fair, yeah honest. it was something they were working out players um uh, around the draft combine and they like, couldn't uh, something to that effect uh but that was a, a very big price to pay for oliver ekman larson who has been on the decline and i kind of like connor garland i think he yeah, might act- yeah i think it, this might be the connor garland trade and not the oel trade at the end of the day <laughs> that's just me though yeah i mean i i think the knives are out in vancouver for jim benning for very good reason right mm-hmm. and i think that you look at this trade from a couple of perspectives in that uh, Jay Beagle, Louis Erickson, and Antoine Roussel were all overpaid, and it makes sense to get rid of them. Uh, Connor Garland is probably the best player in the trade overall, so Vancouver got the best player. But they traded short-term cap troubles for long-term cap troubles. In like Ekman Larson's contract is gigantic, and yes, the Coyotes did uh, retain about a, like a little bit over a million of it, so it's around $7 million per season. It's still a big contract. Now, I think it's easier to deal with one big contract than, like, a bevy of them. I think that's the big death for salary cap teams is when you have, like, a bunch of players in your bottom six who are making, like, three to four and a half million dollars, and it's just you can't move those contracts anymore. It doesn't work. Like, even a guy who's really good, like Paul Byron for Montreal, I think he makes, like, around three and a half, wouldn't even pick him up on waivers last year because he's still got term left. And he's a bottom six player, right? So it's hard to move those stuff. That stuff. I think Oliver Ekman Larson, as much as he's fallen off considerably in the last few years, he has enough name recognition that even if he doesn't work out there, some GM is going to take a chance. Yeah. Right? And you can retain a little bit of salary, move one contract. So I kind of like this for Vancouver on the face of it. It's just that losing that first round pick is really rough for a team that really needs to build through the draft a little bit more before they're real competitive. Um, 
I guess this means they think they're going to win now. I don't know how you could have watched them last season and think they're ready to win now. I mean, here's the thing. It's very possible that a lot of the Canucks woes were related to their, you know, COVID outbreak. So, Sure, I'm, but I'm, they were also bad the season before. They just got very, very lucky. I, I know. I, I, I'm... Willing to see more of what the Canucks have and like have to offer here because I know that last year was very unfortunate for them, um, in a lot of ways. But um, at least speaking of the Coyotes, it is the Coyotes are still doing that thing where they're taking on bad co- contracts. They're not yeah. really a team; they're just a collection of other teams' bad contracts. And I feel bad yeah. for Coyotes fans because what's their identity other than that? They really don't seem to have one in my. Well, opinion. and they did it again for the Florida Panthers just on over the weekend as well. With I, I remember I. I was talking to a couple of Toronto people and they were saying like, oh yeah, Florida's got a, they're going to acquire Sam Reinhart and apparently they're interested in Philippe Deneau as well. And they saw, they still had to sign Sam Bennett at that point. And I thought Sam Bennett was going to get less than he got. And I was like, where are they going to find the cap space? They've got, they had 11 million. They had to sign uh, Reinhart, who I assume will get over 5.5 and Deneau who's looking for 5.5. So that's everything. And uh, somebody replied, oh, well, Arizona will enter the chat and just take Anton Strawman for nothing. And that's exactly what they did. (laughs) They went and just took Anton Strawman, who's really fallen off a cliff for no reason. uh, Future considerations, or I think it was like a seventh round pick. Arizona's got like, I understand that they are accumulating assets. and They've got a lot of second round picks from doing this over and over again. But at some point, you got to become a team. Yeah. It really, it really is unfortunate. Um, I guess we will shift to the Reinhardt deal just because um, the Panthers did acquire him and yes. sent back great, an exchange. Great move. Yeah, and sent back an exchange. Their 2022 first and goaltender Devin Levi. Don't know who that is, but um, uh, I mean, we talked a little bit about the the Panthers side of it all. Um, but man, the teardown in Buffalo. Is, yeah, they're doing a rebuild, eh? Yeah, yeah, just a just a little bit. I wonder if that's a sign of things to come for Jack Eichel uh, this off season because it's it'll be Jack Eichel, and I don't really know. I mean, Linus Olmark, if he resigns back there, there there's not a lot. I mean, if I'm Linus Olmark, why would I sign there unless I I know I could go to the Hurricanes and be the starting goaltender on a good yeah, team. Yeah, I was just I'm trying to give Sabres fans hope here. Yeah, it's not I mean, really a lot to go on. If I were to give Sabres fans hope, or if I was looking to do that, I would say Sam Ventura is a very smart person, and Sam Reinhardt is a very good player, but he probably doesn't fit into your competitive window, especially if you're trading um, Jack Eichel as well. So it's going to be a couple of rough years for sure. Probably tough to watch. But, you know, Sam Reinhardt's 25. He's still young. They got good uh, good return for him in terms of a first-round pick uh, and a decent goaltending prospect. Uh, Levi, actually, he, I don't think he played last year, but he had spectacular numbers in his first year at college. So that's that's something. There's something there. Yeah, he had 941 save percentage in cool. 37 games. Wow. All right, I guess that's CCHL. Is that a lower league than the NCAA? That's a, yes, it doesn't sound like It might a... be hockey, actually, or a high school. Mm. But either way. Uh, Still, I mean, there's yeah. some promise He's there. He's a 2020 draft pick. He's only 19. There's reason to believe that uh, Levi would be a somewhat decent goaltending prospect. So you got assets back. I, I think that Buffalo is just going to be a rough time. Like <laughs> The Florida Panthers, however, look... Like, they're starting to get pretty scary. Yeah. Uh, and I'm very excited to see what they've got uh, on offer uh, for this so coming we, season. 
should we go to the biggest trade? Yeah. Uh, so the last like trade we have, at least marked here on the list, unless anything else happens while we're recording this podcast, uh, the Blackhawks acquired Seth Jones. Uh, they've been dancing around him for a little while um, after he had fallen out of the Flyers' favor. Um, and in return, Columbus got a first and a sixth in 2022. Oh, wait, no, never mind. My bad. It was the Blackhawks acquired Seth Jones, a first and a second in 2022. Apparently my... The way I set this up in the doc, terrible. Uh, <laughs> and in return, Columbus got Adam Boquist, a first and a second. In, I don't actually know when that was. Apparently my notes are just bad. So I was trying to shorthand it, but I just shorthanded myself on this podcast. So that was, yeah, that was probably the biggest trade, maybe. I mean, I know that the Ristolainen trade was kind of the biggest in terms of like, impact in terms of what why are they doing this because uh the blackhawks and seth jones had been we'd been hearing rumors that they had been the become the front runners for seth jones for at least like a week or so like ever since you know the flyers um got ryan ellis and kind of dropped out of that because they were kind of one of the front runners it seemed uh for seth jones at the time uh the, the blackhawks kind of stepped in but i don't know if this was as much a surprise but oh boy that that is a big trade, just in terms of, you know, assets moving and draft picks moving around. That, I mean, it's, it's a gigantic trade, and then Chicago doubled down by signing Jones to a gigantic contract. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, I'm honestly kind of blown away that Chicago still thinks that they're in a position to do something like this. Yeah. I mean, we can talk about the Blackhawks... Uh, like other issues anytime, but like sticking just to hockey, they are not a team that is ready to compete. No, they have some good players at the top end, but like their depth is not good. Uh, Jonathan Taves didn't even play last year. Apparently his status this year is not actually confirmed. Uh, Patrick Kane, good offensive player, still horrendous defensively, uh, not able to carry a team. I mean, is Kevin Lankin in that good? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Their defense is atrocious. And that's the other thing is like Seth Jones has taken a steep, steep step down in the last couple of years here after looking like he might be a Norris contender for uh, the first couple of years in Columbus. I just, I 9.5 million for eight years on a player who just had the worst year of their entire career. I know he's 26, but like, yeah. What are you doing? And it's actually nine years because he's still under contract for this year. Yeah. An incredibly steep overpayment. Um, I mean, I think I saw when that when that um, extension was announced, I think I saw like a list of the players that were like that everybody making either nine point five million or above. And I think one of the last players on that list was Evgeny Malkin. Like, yeah. In terms of like just like where that where they are. But like Seth Jones is no Evgeny Malkin. Seth Jones did not. Is not a $9.5 million player for eight years. Not no, at least. It's like all these players who are getting dealt. And like Seth Jones has more name value because at times in his career, he was pretty great. I mean, of course, he but, was, I mean, kind of his like star, like kind of rose up during that, uh, tri uh, not triple overtime, the quintuple overtime game. Right. He plays a lot of minutes. Like, yeah, it's kind of like uh, kind of the same thing that people were talking about Darnell Nurse, right? Like where Darnell Nurse is a very decent player. I don't know if he's necessarily a first pairing defenseman in terms of like execution and results, 
but he can play a lot of minutes. And Seth Jones is kind of falling into that as well, where like his conditioning is obviously very good. He can play a lot of minutes. Does he play them well? And that's the question. And I think Seth Jones got a lot of credit in the bubble last year for how he played when it had more to do with the goaltending that the the Columbus Blue Jackets were getting. And like even watching Seth Jones and people were saying, oh, he's playing amazing, like playing 40 minutes tonight in this triple or quadruple overtime. And you watch him, he wasn't playing that well. Mm-hmm. Like he was, he was struggling pretty hard. So this year, I think you give everyone a bit of a break during the whole COVID situation because it's hard. Not everybody reacts the same way. Maybe things go back to normal and he rebounds, but this is an extraordinary risk for a Blackhawk team, Blackhawk team, bleh, Blackhawks team that uh, doesn't seem to be in a position to take risks like this. Uh, I guess they just thought they needed to replace Duncan Keith with somebody making twice his salary. Yeah, it's a it's a very mystifying trade for me because, like you said, I don't understand why Chicago thinks that they can compete. Uh, they really seem to be at the end of their window, and I think organizationally, obviously outside of uh, just talking about hockey organizationally, I think they would be better off accepting that their window is over and trying to rebuild around, you know, Kirby Doc and all that for the yeah. future. But seems wonder, as if they're not. I wonder if they see or saw what happened with the Penguins winning back-to-back cups at, on like the back end of Crosby and Malkin's career. And they're thinking like, oh, well, if we do this, we can eke one more Stanley Cup out. And then we're looking at like four. Nobody can question us like this is a a run that's unparalleled in the modern era. But no offense to them, Taves and Kane are not Crosby and Melkin. Yeah, and they also don't have, you know, first name, Mick, last name, dude, random guy yeah, from Mark the Donk AHL. Yeah, 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 random guy from the AHL d- doing wild and ridiculous things just because they play near Sidney Crosby. Uh, so I, they're definitely in two different, sh- like, stratospheres. Like, they're just separated by talent and also like i oh, said so, something did just happen oh, oh what uh, happened? bob mckenzie and darren drager are reporting that mark andre fleury has been traded to chicago oh geez no salary retained chicago so what are you doing <laughs> chicago oh no i feel oh no mark andre fleury why i don't <laughs> i'm so sad for him uh, i don't apparently don't don't, don't go <laughs> i'm so sad so, somehow chicago was not on mark andre fleury's 10 team no trade list so he didn't want to play anywhere except for Vegas. Mm-hmm. And also... Report, they're saying at age 36, will he even report to the Hawks or will he contemplate retirement? Yeah, that's possible. Uh, um, you know what? Mark andre be a hero. <laughs> don't play for them. Yeah, don't play. You've had a phenomenal career. Go out on top, my friend. Go out, yeah. Go out with a high. Uh, I guess we should also mention, since we talked about this in the previous segment, um, I don't know how to pronounce the reporter's name. Renaud... Renaud Lavoie? Yes, him. Uh, he said that uh, multiple sources are telling me that Tony Giangelo won't sign a deal with the Montreal Canadiens tomorrow, so he won't play in Montreal next season. So there's that, at least. Note note the wording there that D'Angelo won't sign. Mm-hmm. So All right. doesn't necessarily mean the Canadians weren't interested. I wonder if it comes down to the fact that D'Angelo probably doesn't like French people either because he's he hates everybody else. So probably dis- discriminatory against French people as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, apparently this from Jesse Granger, going back to Marc-Andre Fleury. It said he found out about the trade through Twitter. Oh, no. You got to give him a little bit more respect than that. Yeah. I mean, you just won the Vezina. Dude, what, yeah, do, you, what do you do in Vegas? And also, there's no return. Yeah. 
And the- I, I think the NHL, like this is totally off topic and I know we're going long here, but these trades with no return where they're not, they're not even giving you the good grace of saying future considerations. This is cap circumvention. <laughs> Let's stop. Like people complain about what the Tampa Bay lightning did. This is way worse. No return at all. Get out of here. This is cap circumvention. <laughs> Flyers. Well, the Islanders did it too. I think. I think. Yep. They're they're all the on, Islanders did it twice. I they're think. all on thin ice right now. All on thin ice. We're looking out for you. Yeah. All right. We're gonna move on from this segment before anything else crazy happens. Thank you, Andrew, for keeping an eye on Twitter while I desperately try and host this podcast and steer us steer us into steer us into our end game here. Uh, coming up next, though, we are going to do just a little bit of draft recap and a little bit of free agency preview because, like we like we said, we're going a bit long. Uh, but I think we should talk about that stuff because the next time you hear from us after this, it will be free agency will be open and the doors will be wide open on the market. But that will be coming up right after this. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for the runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Promo code locked on. All right, Andrew, we're gonna do a little bit of draft recap, free agency preview, uh, just because um, we didn't really talk much about the draft other than a few things. Uh, but you did a whole, you know, hours long live preview thing, recapping analysis. Uh, so, do you have any thoughts? Any surprises? Um, it really didn't seem like there was a lot of stuff on the first night. Um, things kind of proceeded the way, for the most part, the way we kind of were expecting them to. But then obviously the second day had more trades. Anything jump out at, to you at all? I mean, I'm, I was kind of working all on secondhand information because like, I've been working solely with at the NHL level for six years or so. My like knowledge of prospects is just not nearly as good as it used to be when I was working for like a team site and I was able to do more research. But... I liked uh, William Eklund as a draft pick for the San Jose Sharks. I feel like he fell a ridiculous degree. And I was honestly, I think outside of the Canadians' stupidity, uh, the most shocking thing in that first round was the Edmonton Oilers trading down when they could have drafted, like the best goaltender in the draft fell to them. An absolute gift. A guy who projects to be like possibly the next Henrik Lundqvist. And they traded down. Yeah. And they desperately need goaltending. Yeah. <laughs> like, they're, you're not going to ride 39-year-old Mike Smith into the sunset. It's not going to work that way. Yeah, he got a two-year extension. Yeah, and who just got a two-year extension, too. So uh, that was yeah. that was pretty surprising. Um, it, the Minnesota Wild absolutely got a gift there. Because um, Jesper Walstead, from everything I've heard, I, I do not pretend to be a prospect person. Uh, I rely on people much smarter than me. But... Uh, it seems as if he was probably the, you know, goaltender of choice in this draft. Another goaltender went before him. Yes. Yeah. Which was a bit of a shocker as well. Yeah. Sebastian Kosa, um, uh, Detroit picked him up. Um, yeah. So it was a bit of a surprise to see him taken first. But yeah, the the Wild absolutely got a gift there. Um, like I said, though, I can't think of like anything majorly shocking from the first day. We mentioned it earlier. It was really cool to see Luke Hughes go to the Devils. Um, I don't, I think that there was probably better picks for them in terms of, you know, player skill wise, but 
you have to give it up for the brothers. It was the reaction uh, was really yeah, that cool. was great. Yeah, I mean, have you ever seen somebody as excited as Jackie? No, 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 no. <laughs> it, it was really great, and I think the draft ended up being a tale of brothers too, because a whole bunch of brothers got drafted, um, and that was really cool to see. Um, yeah, like I said, it was a pretty quiet um, NHL draft, at least the first day, all things considered. Um, it is unfortunate that the Flyers did not get to make um, a draft pick in that spot that they were supposed to. But because because, you know, the rest of line in trade. But yeah, I I think that we can, you know, pass on the rest of the draft because, like I said, I don't I don't pretend to know that much about prospects. I just defer to people smarter than me. And, you know, because I know a lot of people make that their lives and it is not it is not definitely something I'm into. But I guess before we, you know, finish up and move on to our pop culture segment, I know this is going to be a very short segment, but uh, free agency begins Wednesday, 12 p.m. noon Eastern Time. What are you looking forward to, Andrew? Anything? Uh, what's uh, what's like the biggest thing you think is going to happen immediately off the hop? Because it really feels like we're about to get like bombarded with a whole bunch of news right at noon. Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest uh, shoe to drop is Dougie Hamilton, right? Uh, you hear people talk that he might be the actual guy, like the only guy in this scenario where the cap is flat that uh, might get a gigantic contract. And deservedly so. I mean, I think he fits a lot of teams' needs. I think you look at a team like Montreal, for example, who just lost Shea Weber uh, and has a bunch of cap space now. You would think that they would back the money truck up to Dougie Hamilton, but it sounds like they're more interested in David Savard. So they're going all in on the defensive defenseman. Uh, But yeah, I, I don't know. I mean... I'm interested to see if there's more trades as well, because it seems like things are moving around. And this whole Marc-Andre Fleury thing, uh, apparently he found out about it through Twitter. Yeah, it is. So he just won the Vesna trophy and his team traded him for nothing. And he found out through Twitter. Yeah. This league sometimes, man, like I don't understand how you could be essentially awarded for being at the peak of your position in a league where only 31 guys are in your spot total in the whole world. And you still get treated by garbage, <laughs> like garbage well, by your employer. Well, Flurry like... did get. Flurry did get. There is a player in return, but apparently he costs nothing. So, okay. like, it's Mikael Hekarainen. Don't don't quote me on that. I'm terrible with names. We know this by now. But uh, according to Cap Friendly, he has a cap hit of zero. <laughs> so, uh, uh, like, a player, but nothing monetary in like in return. Uh, yeah, I mean, trades are going to be the big thing. I We mentioned it. Jack Eichel, not a free agent, but definitely a prime piece to be moved. Um, yeah. Gabriel Landeskog, I'm looking at well, as, you know. And on, on Jake uh, Jack Eichel, I wonder if this flurry trade proceeds the oh. Jack Eichel trade for Vegas, because that's been speculated. You're right. right? You're right. You are absolutely they're right. The, they're the team that's aggressive enough to do it. And I feel so bad for Mark Andre Fleury. Dude wins a Vesna and gets no respect. I mean, I know his relationship with Vegas has been rocky. I mean, you see, you remember the picture of the sword through his back from his agent. I mean, this is this has been going on for a little while at least. But like, the dude just won a Vesna and has multiple Stanley Cups, and not with Vegas. But dude's gonna be a Hall of Famer, and you just do that to him like like it's nothing. That definitely reflects poorly on Vegas's you know, ownership as a whole, I think. Uh, you should at least give them a courtesy call, but they really do seem primed to be in the running for Jack Eichel if that's the way things are going to shake out. But 
other top free agents, Gabriel Landeskog, because it really doesn't seem like that they're going to come to some sort of contract agreement. Um, like I know his offense isn't as big as some of his teammates, but that is still a huge player. I know he's going to want major money, but he is definitely a big, a big player to look out for here. Um, I know Alex Ovechkin is technically set to be a free agent, but he's not going to hit the market. He's going to sign a contract, I would assume, right at 12 on the dot. Yeah, there's no way he leaves Washington, right? Yeah. Like, just doesn't make sense. Yeah. You know what? I, I read last week that Washington or uh, Alex Ovechkin is on the verge of defending his PhD. Oh, really? Yeah. Apparently, he, while playing hockey, has been going to Russian State University, earned a uh, bachelor's degree in like uh, I don't know if it's, I don't think it's sports psychology. I think it's like uh, some so, something related to sports and kinesiology, and is now. Uh, approved to do a defense on his PhD in like the difference between Russian and North American training methods for hockey. Yeah. Wow. That's yeah. I read it on Russian machine never breaks. And for some reason it just hasn't been really anywhere else. I mean, all respect in the world to Ovechkin for that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, More Colorado people. Philip Grubauer is probably the top goaltender. I know Tuka Rask is also set to be a free agent, but he's going to resign with Boston. I don't see why. Why he wouldn't. Um, I mean, Zach Hyman to Edmonton is basically all but assured at this point. Um, I think I saw something that Alec Martinez was going back to Vegas. Um, yeah, I mean, a- another stealth one out of Colorado is Brandon Saad, um, who still, I think, has offense left to give. Um, so I think he could be a prime piece. Um, I think I saw people in Pittsburgh wondering if, you know, he would go there. So, uh Obviously, that's just, you know, rumors and stuff. And, of course, we have Ryan Suter out of Minnesota after the buyout, uh, also one of the big defensemen uh, looking to go. And maybe, Andrew, you can speak on this a little bit. Philip Deneau is seems to be out in Montreal uh, after having a breakout year and a really, really awesome playoffs. Uh, obviously, he doesn't bring the offense, but his defensive capabilities seem to be second to none as a forward. Um, have any thoughts on that with, you know, the Canadians seem to be moving on from him or... Yeah, a little bit shocked that they're not more uh, focused on retaining him because I don't think that uh, I think it'd be a, a harsh wake up call for Suzuki and Kokuniemi to not have Dino there insulating them. Uh, this year really struggled offensively, but usually at five on five, he's quite strong offensively. He creates a lot of offense for his teammates. Not a big goal scorer, but does play make very well. Four checks incredibly well. Uh, might not necessarily be like an individual offensive contributor, but his presence creates offense for his line mates, which I think is very important. I think he's worth five to five and a half million a year on a decent term contract. I think he's definitely going to get that. And uh, wherever he ends up, I think they won't be disappointed. He just, he's a gamer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I think that is all at least like the major free agents. We're going to have more um, for you guys uh, on our Thursday show. We're not going to have a guest on Thursday because we think that there's going to be too much to talk about. Um, and apparently, according to, you know, Twitter, which is running 24-7, uh, we'll probably even have trades to talk about. But no guest on Thursday because we're going to, you know, do a big free agent uh, recap of everything that happened so far um, as we kind of set our sights through the rest of the summer. I mean, we've got it. We're about to, you know, finish up the um, like finish up the hockey season or at least the hockey calendar nearly a month after when it would have usually ended. Uh, and I know we talked about this uh, off pod, Andrew, but who oh boy, it has been a, it has been a, the longest July. I think I've, I've had, I can remember in a while. 
Yeah, it's been it's been a long one. Lots of hockey news. And before we move on to the pop culture segment, uh, the last thing is Frank Saravalli reporting that James Neal, Martin Jones, and Braden Holtby will all be bought out today. Wow. Who man, it is NHL teams. They're just there is a lot happening. Um, so glad we can break some news while we're on this podcast with you guys. But uh, thank you, Andrew. Um, I have Twitter open and I'm trying to pay attention, but of course I'm hosting this podcast, so I have to. You know, I'm trying to pay attention and, you know, do stuff. Uh, So uh, coming up next, though, we're going to talk a little bit of pop culture. Probably not much because we're both busy and hockey continues to consume our lives. But we have a few things to talk about. And that'll be up right after the break. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. And the new and improved Built Bar is even deliciouser. Did you know that Built Bar has nine delicious flavors plus the occasional limited time flavor? If you don't know the Built Bar flavors, well, you're missing out. As you've got coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, and salted caramel. There's something for everyone with Bilt Bar, and if you haven't tried all the flavors, you can get a mix box, where you get two of each of the nine flavors. Not only are Bilt Bar flavors the best tasting, but they're healthy too. Bilt Bar is great for any health conscious person, as you can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Most of the flavors have 17 grams protein, only 130 calories, only 4 grams sugar, and only 4 grams net carbs. A couple of the other flavors have 18 grams protein, just 180 calories, 5 grams sugar, and 5 grams net carbs. Nine amazing flavors, all tasty, all healthy. Order today and get that raspberry or mint brownie or whatever you'd like. All bars are covered in 100% chocolate and are soft and easy to chew. So go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. Use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Alright, Andrew. I know that... There's been a lot of hockey recently, so we probably haven't had time to do much outside of it. But for me, and I know this, this is kind of pop culture, but still sports. For me, the big thing is I've been watching the Olympics. Um, part of that is due to my job, uh, since I also work it for the win. Um, I am, you know, I have to watch sports as they happen. Um, the Olympics are obviously the big thing happening right now. But also, I really do love the Olympics in general. I know that the IOC is bad. Everything around the Olympics... Um, especially this year with, you know, the racism, um, you know, people using marijuana and, you know, not being able to compete. And there's just been a whole lot of things. And then, of course, you know, you know, when they build Olympic stadiums, they tear down neighborhoods and the Olympic stadiums never get used again. I know there's a lot of problems. I love the Olympics because of, you know, it's really awesome seeing the athletes compete at the highest level. And the stories are really fun. Um, there's always a lot of surprising moments, uh, so it is really difficult to, like, you know, handle my enjoyment of the Olympics, but also, you know, everything else that is bad about them, uh, and it, it always seems to get worse every year, um, but it's, so far it's been fun, I mean, there's been some surprises, I mean, this morning when I woke up, I saw that Simone Biles, uh, had withdrawn from the women's, uh, gymnastics team events, uh, so I'm wishing her the best, uh, and everything, it would be cool to see her compete in the individual events, but whatever happens happens um i've been really it's been really fun watching the swimming stuff there's been some really funny um highlights for me um i think the guy from is it tunisia um he like the the one swimmer one had a really great reaction um then the, the australian swimmer who won i saw last night she accidentally cursed on live tv and was super embarrassed and it was <laughs> That's really, the best yeah it was really funny <laughs> Uh, There's been some really, really great stories so far in these Olympics. Um, And I think the Philippines also won their first gold medal. Um, 
in weightlifting and that was cool. there's just like those really really awesome moments of like athletes getting emotional after winning and that always cuts me deep to my to my core uh so it's been really fun watching that stuff so far and not just rooting for you know the usa because i'm from the united states but just watching these athletes perform at the highest level it's really awesome yeah it is always fun there's always some great stories i read about uh, a, a cyclist i believe from austria i might have got that wrong but she was like the first cyclist from there to win a gold medal in since like the 1800s or 1880s and she wasn't expected to win at all she's like a mathematician who only started professional cycling in 2017 and doesn't have a team around her to like manage her and prepare her she just does it all with math so she just like creates her own workout regimen and like uh plans her own races like it's like, like the long track cycling so super cool stories that come out every day in the olympics i think that's the best part of the olympics right it's uh anna kaisenhofer mm. so yeah I, I believe yeah austrian yeah. so apparently she's like a math professor wow phd and also a gold medalist now yeah. so she's going back home to teach next semester with a gold medal around her neck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and I think yesterday I was watching women's triathlon, and the woman and a woman from Bermuda won, and Bermuda doesn't win gold medals very often, and I think it was maybe like their first in some time, or maybe their first ever. Um, so it's just a, like I said, I really love the Olympics for um, the sports stuff it brings, and also um, I I used I hate to say this, but I'm a young kind of, and I use TikTok. Um, so <laughs> Olympic TikTok has been very fun, uh, to watch and, you know, the jokes and stuff. I really enjoy the opening ceremony thing with the pictograms, uh, the guy running around doing all the Olympic pictograms. That was fun. If you haven't seen that, definitely go check that out. Cause it was really fun. Uh, they run around, you know, just like, um, miming the, you know, pictograms they use for each of the events, like the little icons that you see. Um, so that was really cool. Uh, yeah, I, I'll continue to be watching the Olympics through the next uh, week and a half at this point um, because a it is part of my job and I do I do enjoy the good occasional emotional sports story. Uh, it really does cut me deep in uh, this time of year. It is it is one of my favorite things about the Olympics is the is the stories and the the emotion we see, uh, especially after. Or, I mean, we're still in the middle of a pandemic, but you know, seeing some people, you know finally get the shot after it being delayed from last year was really cool but yeah while the olympics are actually going on you kind of have to ignore the socioeconomic and all other kinds of brutal impact that they have and the the lack of morals of the the ioc in in general and just enjoy the athlete's stories because as much as it it is a, an event that wreaks havoc everywhere they go and doesn't create much lasting opportunity or growth wherever they host them. The athletes themselves are inspirational stories and it's, it's worth putting them on the big stage. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, and I think that is all the time we have for you today on the cross track NHL show. It's part of the lockdown podcast network. Make sure to follow us on your podcast platform of choice from Apple to Odyssey to Spotify and rate and review us while you're at it. You can follow the pod at cross track NHL on Twitter, me and Mary C Clark on Twitter and Andrew and Andrew Berkshire on Twitter. We'll be back on Thursday with some more Pop Talk. See you next time. NBA Draft Goat Chad Ford, Locked On NBA Draft host Rachel Barlowy, and Locked On NBA host John Corrales will be live this year covering the NBA Draft. It's Locked On NBA Draft 2021, brought to you by Built Bar. Get local expert analysis on each pick, 
Follow Locked On NBA on YouTube today and watch our coverage on July 29th at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time.